0: hi my name is jared uh i met keith in a podcast group on facebook uh about a week ago and uh we both learned we lived in indiana i'm in the southern part he's up in the northern part uh he was asking if people wanted to do a podcast on anxiety and depression and How it's affected your life And uh, If anyone wanted to be Kind of a voice for mental health awareness And the voice for the voiceless Type of deal And uh, I immediately Commented bang send it uh, Because I wanted to be a part of this And uh, we friended each other on Facebook Exchanged a couple messages Uh, If anybody Should be an advocate or a part for mental health awareness it should be me uh solely based on the last two and a half years of my life over keen it was becoming ever more apparent that my marriage was falling apart my ex-wife and i had three children uh we just had a newborn too who was born earlier that spring Uh, I I place probably 80% of my marriage failing on myself. A lot of people say it's 50, 50 and maybe it is, but at the end of the day, I'm the guy that's going to take the responsibility. Uh, you know, it's not important what happened. Uh, I'll never say anything bad about her. She's the mother of my children. She gave me three beautiful children. Uh, but you know, we were working on some things and, uh, I had a lot of pressure on myself. I was working 12-hour shifts. I was working 60 hours a week, trying to keep a roof over our heads. Uh, it was easier financially for her to stay home with the kids instead of child care, uh, paying childcare. So uh, finances, like most marriages that fail, finances played a big part in it. Uh, there was also other things. And basically it all came to a head around New Year's of 2019. And at that time, we tried to give one more good, hard go at it. And then some information was exchanged between both of us during a long conversation one night that turned the tides and flipped the switch to it pretty much being over. And on February 4th of 2019, a Monday evening, the day after the Super Bowl, the Rams-Patriots Super Bowl, uh i attempted suicide uh in in a bad way it, it was a big ordeal uh there was city county and indiana state police all at the house it it was a humongous ordeal uh i don't remember that night some my my memory of that day is clear until about 5 p.m. And after that, it becomes blurry. Some parts of that night and, and what occurred, I do still remember. Other parts, I can't. Um, I was told that it was a trauma and, you know, the body's way, just trying to suppress it. I, I may never remember it, uh, which is a really messed up thing because I think about that day. If I don't think about it daily, I think about it every few days or at least once a week. I still to this day, a little over two years later, still try to think about and remember the parts of that night that I can't. Uh, I was taken by an ISP trooper who I went to school with. He was my best friend from kindergarten up until, high school, maybe junior high, and then he kind of went one direction, as kids do, and I went the other. But uh, he took me to the hospital. He stayed with me. He's probably not supposed to. He stayed with me until the end of his shift. We, I think, best of my memory, we got there at 8 or 9 o'clock that night, and he was there with me until 4 a.m. when they checked me in on the uh, the psych ward floor, I guess. I don't know, whatever, the fourth floor. At uh, our local hospital. Um, I was put on a 72 hour hold. Uh, I don't remember this, but apparently uh, I tried to commit suicide again while I was in that room, which uh, for those of you who have never been in a room like this, they pretty much take every possible thing out of the room for you to hurt yourself so, uh, but a determined person is a determined person. And I think they had said I had been in there two or three hours and had tried to commit suicide again. Uh, so, at that point, the basically, my first 24 hours, I was restrained to a bed. I refused to be cathetered. I uh, kicked the living daylights out of a nice woman. They fought with me, fought with me, and finally, I, I guess they gave up. I wasn't cathetered, but... You talk about a humiliating, humbling experience to uh, have to have someone um, help you relieve yourself into the equivalent of a pee jug because you refuse to be cathetered and you're restrained to a bed. It's pretty humiliating. The next day while I was in there, I was subver- uh, served with a protective order, an EPO. I was not allowed to go to my house, which was solely in my name. I was not allowed to see my children. I was not allowed to talk to my children. I was not allowed to talk to my, you know, now ex-wife. I I wasn't allowed to go to the school, school functions. My son had had a Cub Scout thing that weekend. I wasn't allowed to go there. Um, I, I couldn't do anything. I was told if I am pumping gas at a gas station in town, and my children show up and my children start running to me, I have to get in the car and drive away because if I make contact with them, I will be arrested and charged with breaking a protective order. Uh, and the ironic thing, you know, that was day two of the 72 hour cycle. And I think I wanted to die more that day than I had did the day before. Uh, I was released on the third day. Uh, and, uh, I ended up staying with my grandparents. I couldn't stay with, with my parents. They lived quite a bit of ways from where I was working. I had to travel about an hour to work every day that the staying with them would have made it an hour and a half hour and 45 minutes one way on a 12 hour shift. And then another hour and 45 back. So I stayed with my grandparents. I was sleeping on an army cot in the middle of their living room. Uh, humiliating lowest point in my life. Um, I was going into therapy and counseling, having somebody to talk to, um, which was good because I definitely needed somebody to talk to. Um, eventually after six weeks, the protective order got dropped. Uh, during this time though, I finally got served divorce papers. Uh, but the protective order got dropped. I could see the kids and, and, uh, After two or three months, I left my grandparents and came back home, uh, which was good for my mental health. And uh, her and I gave a a really good effort to try on things. And and there was some moments where we thought it was going to make it work. And then uh, I like to say a lot of times that she just stopped meeting me halfway. Maybe she did. I know I was trying. I mean, I still had moments where, you know, things would be hard on me we made a good effort and then in the end we just decided what was best was to go our separate ways. Um, part of me is always going to love her. Um, so I was in a pretty bad state. And then a couple months later, September of 2019, I lost my job after 10 years of employment. Um, um, I had suffered second and third degree burns for this company. Um, on year six, year five. Uh, I gave a lot to this organization. Uh, it's all I've known how to do. It's what I've loved to do. I, I love the the kind of uh, looks people give me when they know I work at a play. I worked at a steel mill, basically an iron foundry, making cast iron parts, you know, real high paying job, real dangerous job, high heat. You know, I got 2,600 degree molten iron just a few feet above me and a few feet behind me. I mean, but, uh, they let me go after 10 years. Um, I was told, you know, you're, you're a good employee. You're just, you're not in the right frame of mind. And it was my personal life. It w it was things going on. Um, I, I just couldn't leave my problems at the time clock. It was hard for me to put them behind me. So, um, they're like, hey, you're you're a good fit. You're just not a good fit right now. You're a danger to yourself and others. And, and I literally use the phrase all the time that I was stepping all over myself and tripping over my own feet. I, I just couldn't – literally, figuratively, I couldn't get out of my own way. The last four months I was employed there, I could – I never said this before. I was actively looking for another job after – because – Uh, I just thought I needed to change because my mental health was affecting me so much. I was, my quality at work had went down there. Uh, my give a damn had, had definitely broke. Uh, I was getting a little combative with coworkers and man, what, you know, not like I'm up in faces having a fight, but you, you could just, it was, it was a different me. Everything on the inside was being ripped apart and I was eating myself away from the inside the stress and the anxiety. And uh, I think it was a matter of time before I had either got frustrated and walked out the door or they showed me the door. And unfortunately, they showed me the door first. Uh, it's, it's just funny. I could see what was probably coming even though I tried to stop and, and I couldn't. Uh, and it was at that point when I lost my job, uh, I had made the decision that I was going to try again and i would succeed this time um i had had it planned out and uh the ironic thing when i when i lost my job though the the very first person i called was my best friend i i didn't call you know my ex-wife uh i didn't call anybody other than my best friend who owned his own construction company uh and he said, you know, you're just going to come out on the road with me. He said, I'm getting ready to go to Tennessee. I've got a job to do in Tennessee. I'll be gone about six weeks. You're going to come with me? And I said, no. And he basically had equated to get your stuff. I'm coming to get you. We're going to Tennessee. Because he could see what was coming. And that was good for my mental health there. that uh, get I was only three hours away from home. But it gave me a chance to seriously hit a reset button which I needed Uh, obviously I was in Tennessee I couldn't talk to my to my uh counselor therapist lady uh I (laughs) I had ended up meeting a girl on Bumble um I think at the time I was on Bumble I was more or less just looking for somebody to talk to and this girl was local um you know about an hour away from where I lived so we were talking the the whole two or three weeks. We was in Tennessee. We came home for four days, and then went back to and did another month uh, a month to finish the job out. So when I came home those four days, I ended up seeing her, and there was something there a connection I don't think I'd ever felt with the mother of my children. So I liken her to pulling me out of whatever funk i was i was going through all of a sudden i you know it was the stars aligning i wanted to be a better person for my children for myself and for her but she made me want to be a better person she made me want to stand up and and take accountability she made me want to face all the demons uh so it was good for my mental health um the problem was uh me and this girl were together about a year. <laughs> um, probably shouldn't have jumped into a relationship that good. Um, she was very, very much a part of my mental health. I probably shouldn't have been in this relationship. Um, but it felt, you know, you, you feel what you feel and we were, we were good together. We were polar opposites. Uh, as far opposites as you can be and in a lot of respects, as far as uh, our political views and our, you know, how, you know, we agree with our children. I mean, she, she has a son, a very young son who is only two months younger than my youngest, who's three. So they're, they're right there in age. And, uh, but anyways, but we, we, we had a lot of the same interests though. And like I said, I, I probably shouldn't have been in this relationship. Uh, I don't know what my therapist had would say because, uh, once again, to my own ignorance, when after a couple months of us kind of hanging out, we, we finally became in a relationship. We were together about a year, 10 months. Uh, I took myself off my antidepressants. Um, I didn't really need to take my Advan anymore. And uh, I had stopped going to see a therapist um, because I thought she was Mrs. Fix-It. And my favorite thing to say after we had split in September was that she fixed me just to break me all over again. Uh, And I want to share with you some wisdom about men. Um, We lie a lot and we hide pain. we, We hide mental health and and whatnot, uh, and this breakup tore me up worse than a divorce ever did, uh, and I was not saying I was going back to the thoughts of suicide again, the thought had crossed my mind once or twice, but after what I had went through before, I learned that that was not an option to go, um, When I tried taking my life in February of 19, I learned afterwards that once you try to end your life, you have to completely learn how to start over. You have to learn how to relive, basically, at least for me. I can't speak for for nobody else but myself because everybody grieves and everybody processes differently. With me, I had to learn how to. Live life over again. I had to learn to tell myself that it is okay to not be okay. That it is okay to struggle. That things happen. I completely became an advocate for for mental health awareness. Uh, You know. uh, Yeah, I had to learn that it was it's it's just hard for me to talk about this some days and other days it's not uh, going back to September of this past year the breakup of this girl it, it crushed me completely and uh, a fun fact about me is that going back to like 2002, 2003 I would have been you know 14, 15 years old I started writing music. I started writing songs. I wrote rap songs, rock songs, country songs, gospel songs. I, I would write. I would write so much. I couldn't play very much guitar. I can play a handful of chords, nothing that's ever going to be a shredder. Uh, but but I have more was into songwriting. Uh, wrote a little poetry back in the day. Uh, So what, how this deals with my mental health is, uh, after the breakup with me and this girl, um, you know, I needed an outlet and especially because this breakup and this goes back to what I said a minute ago about we're men and we, we lie and we hide stuff. Most of the time when couples split up, the man will usually go, I don't know. I didn't do anything, did nothing wrong, and that's a bold-faced lie. But with this girl, uh, yeah, we had some differences. We we never had a fight. We had one solid, solid disagreement argument two months before we split. Uh, I misinterpreted a couple of text messages, and I kind of flew the coop just a little bit. Uh once I realized I was wrong, I apologized. I felt guilty for weeks. She was over it within hours and told me it was okay. She loved me, not to worry about it. Uh, I felt terrible. But with this girl w- in talking during the breakup the few days after, uh I did nothing wrong at all whatsoever. Uh, you know it was it was all about her and and her battles with her depression and her anxiety. Uh, but she basically walked away. We talked for a few days after. Then I, then came the typical, uh, blocked on all social media. Uh, we're not speaking on speaking terms. I can't, the last time I heard this woman's voice was a few days before the breakup. Everything's been text message, Facebook messenger. Um, that being said, uh, I was dealing with so much and the fact that I couldn't pinpoint what I, if I had done, if I could have just been told what I had done wrong, I would have handled it different. But the fact that it was up in the air and I was trying to wrap my, it, I was suffering through so much, uh, for the first three or four months until around December, January, uh, the, the company I work for, uh, I work in a manufacturing facility full time. Uh, we don't work on Fridays. We work 14 hour days through the week off every Friday, uh I would sleep until like 4 pm on a Friday you know I, I i would sleep my i would struggle bus and then I would get up on the week you know that afternoon to try to do something at 4 pm have an hour before I went and picked my kids up from their mother and then I would proceed to just sleep the weekend away with them there i I was in such agony and my best friend the same best friend that employed me he said uh why are you not writing music anymore? I'm like, dude, I haven't wrote music since like 2013. That's when I gave it up. He goes, you need to write. I kind of let it go, whatever. And then uh, I had a bad night uh, in October, a month after the breakup. And I woke up, the bed was sweat wet. I was in tears. I had one of those just vicious nightmares is what I call it. She She was in the dream. And, uh... I, I kept hearing a bunch of words in my my head, and I knew that they were lyrics. And, and I sat down and wrote a song I called Monsterette, And I wrote the first verse. The song was uh, done, or the first verse, excuse me, was done. And then it set for about two weeks. And then I put a chorus and a couple more verses on it. And uh, I have yet to play it fully on video uh because there's a lot of pain and misery and heartbreak in that song anyways i'm rambling the point is my mental health is nowhere near where it should be or where i would like it to be but i take a stand for people who are dealing with mental health issues now because uh man everybody's got something that they're having a hard time dealing with everybody's got some pain and misery inside them others choose to talk about it there some don't i used to not talk about it i was raised by my my dad's a, he's a real hard noser man uh boys don't cry you don't talk about your feelings you keep your feelings locked up i'm not saying my dad didn't love me time and time again he's proved he loved me but you just don't talk about that there's that disconnect with him that you just you know that's probably how he was raised i would say uh So I kept a lot of it locked locked in, but over these last couple of years and there's been other issues. I mean, I I ran through a slew where I was losing vehicles left, left and right. You know, they were breaking down because I'd never buy anything new because I never had any money. So I was always holding on, you know, shoestrings and bubble gum. And, uh, you know, I lost two or three vehicles in the span of about a year. Transmissions went out of two of them, motor blew in another one, uh, totaled my car. That I had totaled my car out. Uh, it'll be a year ago next week. Uh, so yeah, you know, uh, God, God keeps giving me these little testers. But the 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 point is, my anxiety runs at a high level now, and I never realized that I had anxiety until that night I tried to take my life. I never realized how important mental health was until i survived trying to take my life and like i said it was ignorance i will never again uh poke fun at anybody and i see people poke fun at people with mental health all the time it's not cool it's not funny um and that needs to that needs to die you know pardon my words there we're talking about suicide a lot and i said the word die but uh the fact that you are not allowed to express mental health awareness that needs to die because that is not true. Uh, in any ways, I don't, I don't know if any of this story has affected anybody listening to me ramble for however long. I don't know if anybody cares, but it was important for me to put part of my story out there without putting the whole thing. Um, you know, those of you who would want to get to know me personal, I'm sure, um, You know, Keith could maybe direct you to me, but uh, I think what I said was enough to let you know that here's a guy who used to think this was nothing but a joke until it happened to him, and now he's fully aware. Uh, And I don't think this is – the anxiety is something that will ever go away now. Uh, I still have Ativan on a need basis. I have put myself back on my antidepressants, which has greatly impacted my mood. And uh, I look for other outlets now. I'm still writing songs. What I thought was going to be a one-off writing this song as a way to deal with the breakup back in October has turned back into me being a songwriter again. I I can't sing with a lick. I've never wanted to be a singer. I just wanted to be a songwriter. I'm smart enough to know that to get a publishing deal, not a recording contract, but to get a publishing deal, I have to put my music out there to where people can see it and then help drive it into the hands of the people who can really sing. So I still write music. Uh, a lot of it's been breakup songs lately and uh, anger songs. But, you know, it, it's it's a way for me to express my outlet. And then I've, I've got into uh, doing some podcasting lately. I run a podcast on my own that uh, deals, you know, 80 to 90% sports and the other 20, 10 20% things I just talk about every day at work. With uh, I'm doing it with a coworker. So I have an outlet there and, uh, mainly being a father, um, I almost orphaned, I shouldn't say orphaned They had their mother, but I almost took away these kids as dad, you know, my, uh, my little one, if I had my suicide attempt in February 19, if it had been successful, my little one would have been, uh, 10 months old. She would have never remembered me. And now, you know, she just turned three last month. Uh, I'm the ground she walks on. You should see the way. I mean, I have a unique bond with all three of my children, with my son and both my girls. But the bond with my youngest one, my three-year-old, man, it's 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 something. Uh, so the the biggest outlet I'm dealing with it now is, is I'm just being a, a, more of a father. Uh, I do a lot more things now with my kids than I. I used to. We do a lot of park days. Uh, we do a lot of s'mores in the backyard in the fire pit. Uh, and, and I mean, these are these are things you should do with your children, anyways. But you know, I take it there and then up at a level because you know what it means to me being around them. Because you know, sometimes I don't get to see them every week. Sometimes you know I'm, I work two jobs for a living, so sometimes the part-time job kind of messes with my schedule with the kids. I'm guaranteed every other weekend, but sometimes I don't get to see them for two, you know, a week or two, whatever. Uh, so I've learned to make memories and, and make days count. But, uh, anyways, like I said, uh, there's a little bit of my story. I don't know if it helps anybody, if it changes anybody or whatnot, but, um, I hope that, uh, You know, all you out there listening, especially the men listening to this podcast, uh, I'm a rough, rugged country boy like I'm sure some of you are. Uh, And it's okay to not be okay. And it's also okay to want to change things so you can be okay. But either way, it's okay. Um, Just know that, you know, there's people out there willing to help you. There's people you can talk to. You just have to take the first step, which is realizing you have an issue with mental health, and then you have to take the next step, which is you have to reach out and get help. So, uh, again, my name's Jared. I appreciate you guys listening, and uh, we'll be seeing you.